Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Nobody else ever had that difficulty. Possibly can't make their mortgage payment or whatever. Brian's here from China, the folks we stay with that are moving back. We can take you to his place in China, and we can go a few streets from his place, and I'll show you a million people that aren't worried about a mortgage payment because they have hardly any place to stay in. Their little one room with 17 people in it, there's not the same worry. So see, even if we have difficulties and all kinds of problems in our life, it's not unique. It's common to everyone. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. When you're young, you think that everything that happens to you for the first time is the first time these things have ever happened in history. As you get older, you realize that many other people have experienced the things you've gone through too. Pastor Mark's teaching today will show you that it's the same in your spiritual life too. As hard as it might get sometimes to follow God and how much you might be tempted to turn away, Others before you have faced the same temptations, and God got them through. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 12 as he begins his message, The Race of Faith. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. The Christian life is a race. Are you excited or depressed? Do you love a challenge? Or be honest, are some of you more of a couch potato? Come on. You see, some people, when they see race, go, yeah. Other people go, No. Some of you like to run. Some of you like to walk. If I mention the word exercise, some of you lose your salvation almost. Well, the Bible calls our life a race. Remember the context of the book of Hebrews. The writer to the Hebrews reminds these Jewish converts who have left Judaism and are being persecuted greatly because they're followers of Christ. He reminds them that they're in a race. They're running. But as they run, they're getting weary. They're getting tired. Satan says to them, drop out. It isn't worth it. And so the writer to the Hebrews gives them some encouragement in their race. Now, if Paul is the writer to the book of Hebrews, I think he is, but we don't know because the Bible doesn't say, he knew how to run 
a race. This would be natural for Paul to write. You remember in Acts 20, he says this, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The writer begins in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Notice the first word in chapter 12, verse 1, is therefore. That is the bridge, that is the connection between chapter 11 and chapter 12. First thing I want you to write, I encourage you to write, so 72 hours from now, you'll remember this. Those of you that aren't writing, I'm going to get your name, and I'm going to call you three days from now and ask you what my first point was, even if I have to call China and see what happens. Be encouraged. Your race is not unique. One of the things that happens is while we're Christians, We look at our life and we think nobody else has ever gone through what I'm going through, from the physical to the financial to whatever. Some of you are struggling with your home now. Say, well, nobody else ever had that difficulty, possibly can't make their mortgage payment or whatever. Brian's here from China, the folks we stay with that are moving back. We can take you to his place in China and we can go a few streets from his place and I'll show you a million people that aren't worried about a mortgage payment because they have hardly any place to stay in. Their little one room with 17 people in it, there's not the same worry. So see, even if we have difficulties and all kinds of problems in our life, it's not unique. It's common to everyone. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. That's the key to the passage. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So Paul begins, verse 1, to remind them that their suffering and their persecution here in that little city in Italy is not unique. Well, how does he remind them that? The word therefore. Therefore goes back to chapter 11. What did we learn in chapter 11? Well, as we went through chapter 11, we saw that most Old Testament saints struggled. They ran a race. Some of the races were very difficult. Some escaped the sword. Others were killed, sawed in half, murdered for the sake of the gospel. And yet they finished their races. So he says to these people, Later, you haven't shed blood yet yourself. It's okay. These people finished. You can finish. Now, many times when we see this, if you look back at that verse, it said, we're surrounded by these cloud of witnesses. And some of you have maybe been taught that what is happening is all of these 
people who have gone to heaven are, there's kind of like this ridge here and they're looking down at us and they're cheering us on and whatever. I don't believe that's at all what that scripture means. Now just think about this for a moment. Nobody really knows for true, but if you're in heaven, you've made it to heaven, would you want to look down and see your son and daughter that you taught doing a stupid thing? What are you doing? From heaven. Heaven's supposed to be a good place. So I don't believe that's happening or sad things happening. What I believe is they were witnesses. In other words, as you see this, they weren't there down looking at them from heaven. But as we look up and we look in the Bible, we see these people and they witness to us as examples. As you read Moses, he chooses after 37 years not to become a rich Egyptian. That encourages me. He was able to make that choice. Very difficult choice. So as we read about these people, they're there as witnesses encouraging us. They were simply examples for the people then, and of course for us. What they're saying as we study these individuals is, I finished, you can finish. It's okay, keep going. Now, as we read the Bible, remember, faith comes. Faith to see that others have finished their races. Where are they? They're in heaven. We should be encouraged. There are many role models that God places in our lives, not just in the Bible, but people, to encourage us. I have a picture of my mom and dad, one at home and one in the office. Every once in a while, I'll look at that picture, and it encourages me. I remember many, didn't really understand the significance as a young child, but I remember many of the difficulties in ministry. I remember many of the joys. I remember being pleased that I was born in a family where mom and dad loved God. Mom and dad are both in heaven. As I look at that picture, that doesn't depress me. That encourages me. They made it. They were role models to me. And I think you need to understand that people are looking at you. They're looking at your race. Write this next statement down. People, including our children, are looking at how we run the race. What do they see as they watch your race? Now remember, nobody's perfect, but what do they see? Is it encouraging for them? You see, it's not only the Old Testament saints that the Christ followers watch. It's not only these people in the Bible that they're looking at, but they're looking at you and they're looking at me. All Christ followers, every single person in this room, if you're a Christ follower, is a model to follow. People are looking at your lives, at work, all over the city, in many places. This church goes everywhere in Brevard County. They're watching your life. You call yourself a believer, a person that trusts God. They know that none of us are perfect, but they are watching. And so I just encourage you, not only are all these people watching, but the next generation of church leaders, they're watching us. 
Pastor Dave, Pastor Dean, myself, the elders. We're older people. We know these younger people, Bo, Jonathan, many of the younger guys, Chris, lots of the young guys, TJ. Those young men are watching us. We're trying to set a godly example for them. We want to be open with them. Our kids are watching us. Remember, there is no perfect example. The only perfect example is Jesus. And yet, we can be faithful. So don't underestimate the importance of people watching your life faithful. If I think back at my dad's church, I can think of lots of names of people that I watched from Sunday school teachers all over the church, different ministries that I watched that made a great impact on me. Not just in the church. We'd go over to their homes. And what you saw in their home was the same as you saw at church. That really impacted me. And see, that's what we have to be. We have to be those role models. Now, look at verse 1, and I want you to see a couple things quickly. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us... Sometimes we miss that in this verse. I think it's huge. Paul says to these church members, these followers of Christ, he says, we, us, we're not made to do life alone. We don't run the race of life alone. We do it as a family. This is a family. You're a family. We're family together. We're one church in two locations. We're not two different families. We're one family. And actually, if you want to take the buildings out of the way, Brevard County, those Christ followers and all the different churches around, we're all one big family. We're doing it together. How do we call that here at the church? You remember them, the five C's. Let's scoot on down to the third one, connect. Connect to others in personal, vibrant relationships. Let me ask by a show of hands, don't have to be embarrassed, I just want to kind of see. How many of you are in some kind of a small group, whether it's men's or women's or divorce care or a home group, or you're in a position and you have fellowship? How many are in some kind of a small setting where you're connected to somebody? Let me just see your hands. Good. Good percentage. Now, if I asked that on Sunday morning and Saturday night, it'd be different. You see, you have to be connected, guys. Robert's here, as I said, from China that that we stayed with. And I was so encouraged after Sunday teaching in that church, I went Monday morning to his accountability group. And it was exciting. Got up at 6 o'clock, went over, sat there in China, and here were some other guys. And they were keeping each other accountable. Guys, you can't run it alone. If you didn't raise your hand, let me say this kindly to you as your shepherd. You're in danger. You need somebody to be accountable to. So get yourself plugged in. Home group, small group, men's, ladies, all kinds of things. Find a way to get yourself connected. We simply don't want to run the race alone. You can't do it. Not meant to do it. Paul says, we, us. He joins people together. Now, 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, the life of faith, chapter 11, what was their example? You have to run by faith. Let us strip off, strip off every weight that slows us down. Notice, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I chose the New Living Translation for a purpose. I like illustrations. This one I'm not going to illustrate for you. You already know where I'm going, don't you? The runners today, if you get online, go to Amazon.com and look for light running clothes. You'll find them. The shirts, the pants, the shoes, they hardly weigh anything. You look at them and you go, can that even, can that be a shirt? It is. Well, they get that. And the reason this is mentioned, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, is in those days, especially in the Roman area, in the Olympic area, in those days in their own way that they loved these sporting things, the runners very often, you don't even want a picture of this, but the runners very often ran naked. Now, why would they run naked? Because there's nothing to slow them down. So I said to you, I'm not illustrating that. How many are glad I'm not illustrating that? Praise God. My wife is here. She'd be clapping like crazy. All right. By the way, she's coming back. I'm going to tell her that I didn't do it, so she'll be very happy with me. Now, to run, we have to do some things. We have to prepare some things. Here's the first thing I want you to write. Number one, you have to run without weights. I'm going to identify for you some weights. We'll go through some of those, and then we'll have something else. So the first thing I have to do if I'm going to run, and I'm going to use this backpack as an example. It's loaded with stuff. It's heavy. If I had to run with this, it'd be very difficult. Now, as you think about this, first thing I have to do is I have to identify what a weight is, and then I have to strip it off. You can't strip it off for me. I have to do that. That's the discipline. Now, you can encourage me to do it. You can see me running and say, what are you doing? You can't run efficiently with that. Now, we know about weights and extra luggage and carrying this thing around. One of the things that might encourage you, this is a little off the subject, but it's not. If you struggle with weight, and pretty much everybody in America struggles with weight to some degree, and you want to be encouraged to take some off. What I encourage you to do is get you a 10-pound bag of rice on one hand and another, and if you can afford it, if you can find it now, America, and just walk one city block with that and go, man, that was like a killer. Then walk a block without it. That's 20 pounds. If you're 20 pounds overweight, that's what you just did. And if you lose that, what a difference. It's huge when we see that. 20 pounds doesn't sound like much until you start walking with it. And then you go, whoa, what a difference. Well, how do we know about weight, excess weight today in traveling? You understand if you travel at all, what have the airlines just done? Remember when you could carry almost any luggage you wanted to an airline now? American Airlines just added to the list 
American, United, Delta, JetBlue, U.S. Air, you name it, they've all done it. What have they said now? Unless you're a special member and fly a lot, if you're going to fly regular coach, like most of us do with the cows, you get in your seat and sit, and it's not international, if it's local, you can carry how many bags? How many? One bag. If you carry two, what are they going to do? They're going to charge you 25 bucks. And by the way, your one bag can only be 50 pounds. So if you're going to buy one bag, buy you a big bag. So you can put more in it. Can't go over 50, but buy a big bag. Don't buy a small bag anymore. It's foolish. You do two bags, 25 bucks. So it's a perfect illustration. Why are they doing this? Because weight causes what happens to their fuel. Fuel consumption goes down. Same thing with your car. If you're carrying around a lot of stuff in your car that doesn't need to be there, and I'm not talking about your wife now. Some of you email me and get me all in trouble. If you're carrying stuff in the back, you forgot to take it out of the trunk, take it out because your gas mileage will get better. See, the airlines did it because it impeded their profits. They're losing billions. And so they're looking at every way. I read recently, many of the airlines have now changed, one airline changed their silverware to a lighter weight silverware. I haven't seen silverware for a long time. I see the plastic stuff myself. I don't know about you. But they did that for one reason. What? To lighten the load. So you and I see this. It shouldn't be difficult for you to understand the principle that Paul's talking about. Now, we call this what? Tell me. Lug. Luggage. Say it with me. Say it with me like this. Lug. Age. Lug. Age. It's luggage. It's hard to carry around. And so what are these things that we want to kind of identify and then strip off? You know, if you travel, I remember Lynn and I went a few years ago to Portugal. And we decided when we went, we would simply travel by bus and subway. We weren't going to rent a car. We knew, because we travel a lot, we just took a little teeny Actually, it was about a 21-inch bag that had wheels in one backpack each for seven days. And we traveled all over Portugal. I've been many other places where I've seen, especially in London, if you go to London and the subways, you got to walk down these stairs. Like, you think you're walking to hell. It's like hundreds of stairs to get to the subway. And I watch these people, they're on vacation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 30-pound things that they're trying... And the vacation becomes what? It's a drudgery. And you go, you'll learn next time not to do that, won't you? Yes, I will. Miserable. Do you know some of you are miserable? Don't even know you're miserable. Because you've never lightened the load. So our writer gives us a command. Strip off everything that's a weight. Now, let me just give you a few weights. There's lots more. Number one, the weight of too much stuff. And the reason we have too much stuff is because it's greed. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. 
In Pastor Mark's teaching today, you learn that the life of a Christ follower is a race. Actually, everyone's life is a race. It's just that most people who don't know Christ don't realize that their life is a race. You also found out that things you experience in life aren't unique. Many people go through the same stuff. What matters is how you let God guide you through that stuff. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. As he continues his teaching, The Race of Faith, Pastor Mark will talk about the importance of finding people to run the Christian walk with. You'll be reminded about the spiritual warfare aspect of your life as a Christ follower. Pastor Mark will be speaking about figuring out what things in your life are keeping you back from following Jesus and getting rid of them. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series in Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.